Welcome to Dr. Carol's Couch with your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. All comments, views, and opinions are solely those of Dr. Lieberman, her guests, and callers. Now it's time to have a seat on Dr. Carol's Couch. Here's your host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome to today's edition of Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Well, you know, the election is coming, (laughs) and um, so is the apocalypse uh, as far as it's it's a very scary time um, leading up to the election because, uh, because, well, for one thing, because this whole question of voting by mail is very iffy. You know, there have already been uh, uh, indications that there is fraud and there is, I mean, it's just very iffy. With every, It's one thing to have absentee ballots, and that's a relatively small percentage of the voters, and it's another thing to have everybody or almost everybody or too large a portion of the voters voting by mail. So uh, it is really, uh, I mean, I think we're all sort of, um, heading very cautiously or very with great trepidation to November 3rd. And because, you know, <laughs> there are certain segments of the population who are not going to be happy um, if President Trump wins again. Um, so with that in mind, um, and I am not, if you've been listening to this show at all, you know that I am not one of those who would be happy if he didn't win again. <laughs> Uh, I think he's done an amazing, amazing job, and that um, the other party, besides the candidate having dementia, (laughs) uh, yes, I'm talking about Biden, um, but besides that, and we're going to talk today about Kamala Harris, um, but besides, you know, the specific candidates, just the general party, Democratic Party, um, there are people within the party. It's not the old Democratic Party that we used to know and some least to love. It, it has been taken over and we are seeing the impact of that in the riots in the streets. So, um, you know, full disclosure, that's uh, my view on the whole thing. But today my guest has a very interesting take on Kamala Harris. And um, we're going to be talking about her. And the question is, did Kamala Harris sleep her way to the top? Uh, now, and there's a reason for that. Not that, you know, having, <laughs> not that, I mean, there are other people who have um, who have had sex with people running and people who are running, I mean, who have had very sexual indiscretions. But um, there's a particular reason why this would be of concern with Kamala Harris. And I will let my guest talk to you all about that. So um, let me introduce him. Uh, my guest is Chaplain Gordon Klingenschmidt, uh, who I will call for the rest of the show, Dr. Chaps. That's what he says that he has been called when he was a chaplain in the military. He is a former state representative, a Republican from Colorado, who earned his Ph.D. in theology taught college for three years at Colorado Christian University, is a 20-year veteran who was graduated from the Air Force Academy, 
and is the former Navy chaplain who dared to pray in Jesus' name. That's a whole story in itself, uh, having to do with when in 2006 he defied a Navy policy requiring non-sectarian prayers. He demanded his own misdemeanor court-martial for praying in Jesus' name in uniform outside the White House and was later vindicated by Congress. Uh, he hosts a daily national TV show on called PIJN News on seven networks, 50, 15 online platforms, and he's the author of a book called How to Liberate the World, a Step-by-Step Guide to Take Back Your Country. So those are his credentials, and uh, welcome to the show, Dr. Chap. Thank you, Dr. Carroll. I'm honored to sit on your couch today, and I'm ready for psychoanalysis. Yes, okay. Um, well, let's see. First of all, I think probably people, even though you have a very impressive uh, resume, uh, people, as, including myself, are wondering why, why you care, <laughs> basically, about Kamala Harris and sleeping her way to the top and how you know about the things that you're going to be talking about. Well, thank you, Doctor. Uh, first of all, uh, I care because I love America, and I think America deserves the best possible leadership. And uh, whether you support Donald Trump or not, you have to consider uh, the alternative is that Joseph Biden uh, recently referred to the quote-unquote Harris-Biden ticket. In other words, putting Harris first. And, and Kamala Harris admitted uh, just two weeks ago that uh, in the Harris administration, her policies would be X, Y, and Z. So I think they're already okay. planning for her to take over, to succeed. If Biden is elected, he will not complete his first term. I think he is having early signs of, uh, maybe it's just old-timers disease, but he, he screwed up the Pledge of Allegiance the other day. He doesn't even remember uh, most of the things he's talking about unless he's on the teleprompter. I think he will resign soon after being elected, and Kamala Harris will be the president if the Democrat ticket succeeds. So this is important. It's more important that we pay attention to her and how she got there than it is um, to really pay attention to Biden right now, who will not be in office very long. Uh-huh, yes, I, I agree with you that um, it's really the people behind Biden. I mean, he comes off, you know, it's hard to... I mean, yes, for years he's been flubbing things, but it's obviously getting much worse and worse, especially, you know, once he came out of the basement uh, and has been talking without teleprompter these last this month or so, um, it's be, become more obvious that he has uh, early signs of dementia and actually not even so early. I mean, it's progressing re- relatively quickly. Um, so, yes, I agree with what you're saying. Um, and it isn't, you know, one could just kind of look at him as a, a nice old man, like a grandfatherly type. But the problem is the people behind him, that he is just a puppet. It's like they're, you know, it's so, it's so scary and so pathetic uh, and so anti-American that they are just trotting him out, uh, hoping that he will last until November 3rd, you know, that he won't make, say something that is... Um, Say or do something that it, that you can't recover from, you know that that where everybody uh, would realize that he is just not fit. 
Um, and so they're, they're propping him up all the time and hoping that he can, you know, fool the public up until the election and pretend that he's the one, this nice, nice old grandfather is the one who's going to be leading the country as compared to Kamala Harris and all the AOC and all the people behind him, Bernie Sanders, uh, all the people who want to turn our country into a socialist or really communist country. So, so okay. So go. So how is it? So, so you're saying that you you have become involved in sort of studying her because of your love of America and what is at stake. That's true. And obviously, Kamala Harris is a very capable attorney. She was the uh, Attorney General of California. She was elected to be a U.S. Senator from California. But she would never have been even eligible to run for those seats as a credible candidate if she had not, at age 30, begun dating and sleeping with the 60-year-old mayor of San Francisco and former Speaker of the California State House, Willie Brown. Now, why would a 30-year-old want to date and sleep with a 60-year-old man, uh, except that he was a very powerful mayor? And while he was mayor, Willie Brown dated her, slept with her, and then appointed her to two important positions, one on the Medical Assistance Commission in 1994 with a $70,000 salary, uh, and one on the, uh, there was another important commission she was appointed on until 1998, uh, and she was paid $120,000 in current money for basically the privilege of attending one meeting per week and voting on uh, welfare recipients and, and who should get uh, the government handouts. So that very uh, high-paid but but low work position made her basically eligible to attend all of the socialite dinners with Willie Brown and receive political favors thereafter. She was appointed to two commissions and Willie Brown admits, yes, I influenced her career by appointing her to two state commissions when I was the California speaker. And I certainly helped her in her first race for district attorney in San Francisco. So she began her career literally by sleeping with a 60-year-old man. And it was, the other people she served with on the commissions were all older than 60 years old. She was the only 30-year-old on those commissions. Uh, I think she was promoted before her time in, ex- in exchange for sexual favors. That makes her a prostitute. <laughs> you could say that. Um, I just want just want to um, do. I just want to add one little caveat in that, though, uh, in terms of why would a thirty-year-old woman sleep with a sixty-year-old man? First of all, um, from what I've been reading about Willie Brown, he even to this day—I mean, maybe not today, but fairly recently—he's still sort of a ladies' man. And um, my first book was Bad Boys: Why We Love Them, How to Live with Them, and When to Leave Them. So even though there was that age difference, um, it seemed he he did have, and still for some people have, uh, this kind of bad boy appeal. So it is possible. I'm not saying that it's okay that he, you know, I, I mean, I don't know that she just randomly picked him. There were lots of 60-year-old men around in San Francisco. But um, 
have you thought about the possibility that she actually was, that he was kind of a catch in a way, uh, not just because of how powerful he was. I mean, that is an aphrodisiac in itself, but also was kind of a bad boy and, and that she actually was attracted to him. Well, the problem is he was still married to another woman. Uh, they started yes. publicly dating uh, Harris and Brown. Willie Brown started dating Kamala Harris in 1994, in the spring of 94. Uh, but he was still married to Blanche Vitero, uh, his longtime wife since the 1980s. And she was just one in a string of, of public girlfriends that he was sleeping with and cheating on his own wife. Uh, Kamala mm-hmm. Harris knew this. Uh, she betrayed her own gender by, uh, and certainly Mrs. Butero must have had strong feelings about Kamala publicly dating her husband and, and going to all these events and then receiving yes. uh, not just a, a position for it, $70,000 a year, uh, but a second position where she was uh, promoted to medical commissioner. And by the way, after she was medical commissioner, Kamala Harris missed about 20% of the meetings for the medical commission. So she wasn't even performing her duties for which she was receiving a, a, a second salary of $97,000 on the California Unemployment Insurance Appeals Board, which in today's dollars would be $167,000. But being on those boards in a statewide position uh, with six-figure salary not only made her political life easier and made her finances easier, and it gave her the connections she needed to later run for district attorney and then uh, attorney general of California and U.S. senator. And, and now she's going to be, if she's elected, vice president and then president of the United States. So how did she get those jobs? She leapfrogged across it. You know, there's a complaint in, uh, in, the modern debate about race, and that is that we have white privilege. Uh, well, Harris had, I, I don't want to say uh, feminine privilege because she's not a lady. I mean, she was, shall we say, sexual privilege for, she got advanced when other people were passed over. Mm-hmm. Um. Yes, no, I absolutely agree with what you're saying. I, I, uh, I mean, I, I think, um, I think she was very, uh, like fly as a fox kind of thing. Um, to, I mean, I, clearly she knew what she was doing. Um, and yes, and, and these positions, not only did they pay her, but they, as you said, they got her in the circles of people who then were able to donate money to her campaign. Um, you know, as she smoothed them as well while she was going to all these parties and so on. And, you know, it is true that another way of looking at this is like what you were starting to mention that, um, I mean, so many women are happy that Biden picked a woman. Um, and yet this really isn't so well known about her. Uh, flaunting, not just having an affair, an extramarital affair. It's like uh, flaunting it by being at these parties, being on his arm. Um, and so women who think that it's so great that Biden picked a woman, uh, I wonder if they're thinking at all about the fact that Kamala Brown, uh, Kamala Harris, uh, <laughs> almost Kamala Brown, that Kamala Harris 
uh, two times, you know, um, be- betrayed a woman or a fellow woman kind of thing um, by having this affair and flaunting it. Well, it's interesting, too, that after she finally was, a, was selected to become the district attorney of San Francisco, she fought back against Willie Brown and actually threatened to prosecute him if he got out of line. And so uh, yeah, that was so her way, was I think, that, of, of well, I read, keeping him silent. I read something about that. What was that all about? Why did she, um, why, yes, yeah, she said something about that if he even jaywalks, she's going to have his head or words to that effect. Why, why did she turn against him? I think it was to avoid the public embarrassment of him going public against her because they did have a falling out and he had obviously, who knows if he had photographs or if he had evidence or, you know, dating memos or or emails or things that could have incriminated her. So that was a shot across the bow for her now that she had established a successful political career that she didn't want to be blackmailed by Brown. Uh, In fact, Brown recently joked to the Washington Examiner that if Harris wins the vice presidential election, that he would have to leave the country. And so he wrote an op-ed just a couple months ago in the San Francisco Examiner advising Kamala Harris to decline the job if Joe Biden offers her the vice presidential ticket. And uh, he had some reasons for that. Among them were, well, vice presidents are never happy because they don't have real power And Kamala Harris is power hungry. Well, how would he know that? Because he had seen her rise to the top through her greed and lust for power. So he said, don't become the VP. Uh, I'm a little concerned for Joe Biden, how long he's going to last with Harris as VP, uh, because she's going to want that top job and she's going to be gunning for it. And I think she'll be, if she has any influence at all, uh, Biden will not be long for that office. Yes, I think you should be careful, N-E-P, <laughs> that she hands him. <laughs> if, if, unfortunately, he wins, um, I think he should be careful about taking any drinks, any tea or any any kind of drink from that Kamala might hand him uh, because of her own aspirations. Well, this is a good place to stop for taking a break. Um, again, we're talking today about did Kamala Harris sleep her way to the top? With my guest, Chaplain Gordon Klingenschmidt, Dr. Dr. Chaplain Gordon Klingenschmidt. (laughs) So stay tuned. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch, and I will be right back. the experts. Call toll-free right now, 1-866-472-5787, Hello? and ask our all-star team to answer your questions. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? 
call the Terrorism Hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman, talking today with my guest, Dr. Chaps, uh, about did Kamala Harris sleep her way to the top? And um, it seems, uh, you know, both, well, I was going to say both she, she doesn't deny um, having, she can't deny having had an affair with Willie Brown, the former mayor of San Francisco, um, and he certainly uh, has been touting it. <laughs> and as, as my guest has talked about, uh, even writing a, an op-ed or a piece for newspapers, I mean, it's been in the media already. We're not, this isn't breaking news, but why we're talking about this today is to um, familiarize you with some of the backstory of Kamala Harris that is not as squeaky clean as she might like people to think. Um, before the break, we were talking about how um, uh, Willie Brown had said if Kamala Harris becomes elected as vice president, um, that he's going to have to leave the country. Now, I want to go back, um, Dr. Chaps, I want to go back to that because, um, you know, as a psychiatrist, of course, I'm interested in all the uh, intrigue, you know, uh, of the relationship. Um, it would seem to me that unless, I mean, it, it would seem to me that if he was saying that, he was worried that she would, uh, and she herself said, if you jaywalk, you know, I'm going to get go get you. Um, it, it makes me wonder whether, in fact, he was the one to have broken off the relationship since, as I was saying, he was kind of a ladies' man, and whether she um, has has carried with her this rejection and this animosity towards him. Yes. I think Kamala Harris is now embarrassed about her relationship with Willie Brown. Not only did she threaten to prosecute him after she was uh, the district attorney of San Francisco, if he even jaywalked. But now it, she says, uh, Willie Brown is, quote, an albatross hanging around my neck, end quote. Uh, in a 2003 interview with San Francisco Weekly, Kamala Harris said that, quote, 
The mere mention of their former liaison makes her shoulders tense, her hands clench, and her eyes narrow, end quote. Those are her words. And so there's, there's a little bit of trauma in there. She's been, uh, she's upset maybe even with her own self. She probably feels guilty having slept with another wife's man uh, and having cheated her way to the top, being passed over or, or promoted early when others were passed over and having prostituted herself with a 60-year-old man back when she was 30. Uh, now she has regret about her personal conscience for having violated, you know, the obviously the, the common decency standards that would say you should not be a prostitute. I, I don't think any woman think wants, wants to be I in that profession or position. Credit. Wait, I think you give her too much credit. I don't know if okay. she feels guilty. She doesn't strike me as the kind. I mean, look at what she what she did. She, you know, uh, used this as a springboard um, to get from one position to the other. And I mean, not that politicians don't do that in general to some degree, but but yes, this is certainly questionable. Um, but I, I don't think that she feels guilty. I don't think she feels guilty about uh, having the extramarital affair. You know, uh, women who have extramarital affairs. You know, this is something that uh, that a lot of people don't understand. Women who, uh, that was actually another one of my books, Bad Girls, Why Men Love Them and How Good Girls Can Learn Their Secrets. And um, women who go after uh, a man who's married, uh Really, it has to do, well, everything has to do with your childhood. And so it has to do with the Oedipal Triangle. It has to do with wanting to, you know, little girls uh, when from the age of about five to seven or eight, four or five to seven or eight, uh, want their daddy's love and attention. And they want to beat out their mother, you know, they're in a, in a triangle in a rivalry with their mother for their father's love and attention. And so women who later on um, go after married men are still stuck in this edible triangle where they are trying to get a man away from his wife to prove that they are the most, the fairest princess of the land, the most beautiful, the sexiest, and all of that. So they don't, Women who, who go after married men do not generally feel guilty for it at all. Um, and I just don't think in general, in terms of her personality, that she's really feeling guilty. I think maybe it is that she knows that uh, he has something on her. Presumably they, they uh, conspire together to help her get these positions. Um, and, and yes, she uh, might well have been rejected by him in the end as he went on to his next woman, his next conquest. So I just wanted to, to add that um, about, I, I, I just, I don't really feel that she has very much uh, a real sense of decency or, or guilt. Well, you are a psychiatrist. Uh, you understand the, the ego and the id, and, and you are also a woman. <laughs> so maybe women understand each other better than I do. Uh, <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> You know, I'm, I'm a, I was a Navy chaplain, and I, I try to give people the benefit of the doubt, and I try to maybe look at through them through my own eyes about how I would feel guilty. I would have a guilty conscience yes. if I were in her shoes. Yes. 
Yes, yes, I could see that. Now let's talk about another aspect. Um, she, when she went to kindergarten in California, she was bused as part of a desegregation program. So she was bused to Thousand Oaks Elementary School, which was a public school in a more prosperous neighborhood in northern Berkeley, which had previously been 95% white. And after desegregation, it became 40% black. So she, uh, and then she moved later. Her parents were divorced when she was seven, so obviously she was traumatized. It's interesting. I wonder if um, the divorce had to do with her father uh, having an extramarital affair. That would be interesting to find out. Um, but in any case, so they divorced, and then she moved. She and her sister moved with her mother to Canada, and um, they went to other schools, and um, and she went to Howard University, which is historically a black university. And so she, she's kind of been, during her younger days, um, before she met Willie Brown, um, she has been in, in situations where race was an issue. I mean, like, it must have been hard for a kindergartner, as part of this desegregation, to be involved in it to all of a sudden a school that was 95% white all of a sudden becomes 40% black and um, and she's only in kindergarten. I mean, there must have been racism at that time and she must have had um, bad, some bad experiences or been made to feel less than by the people who weren't happy that all of a sudden, you know, all these um, black kids were being bussed into their white school. Do you know anything about that? What do you think about that? Um, well, I agree with your assessment. I think Kamala Harris probably benefited from some of the great desegregation policies that came after the 1960s. Uh, the Civil Rights Act certainly gave her a leg up, maybe gave her access to a better education. And yet, if she is elected vice president and as a U.S. senator, she has been consistently against school choice for inner city families to be able to select where their kids go to school, whether a private school or a charter school. She's been against school vouchers. So she does not want to give poor black kids the same advantages that she received when she went to a white school. Um, I think that's hypocrisy, and I think it's bad for uh, those children who are not going to have the same opportunities that she was given. But also, uh, she used that racist part of her background as a reason to attack Joe Biden when they were running against each other in the primary. And as you noted, uh, she was vehement in her personal attacks going after Biden. She, she wanted to appear tough, like the prosecutor that she has been, and she called Biden a racist, not in so many words, but certainly with regard to his past, with regard to his lack of support for African-American uh, uh, constituents, uh, with his careless use of the word Negro in the 1970s. She called him out on all those things. And yet, as soon as he needed a vice presidential candidate, she rolled over and basically allowed him to take advantage of her. And now she's there campaigning for the man that she hated, the man who she called racist. Um, 
That shows well, me well, again wait, wait, hypocrisy. Wait, 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 she wait, wants one power. Wait, 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 <laughs> wait a second. Um, I wouldn't allow him to take advantage of her. I don't think that she's. I don't think she would allow any man or any person to take advantage of her. She's, she's, um, you know, all of a sudden changing her tune so that he would pick her. Well, that's possible. Um, you know, her two qualifications, besides having a legal career and being a U.S. senator, I mean, she's a woman and she claims to be African-American, although technically she's not. Her father was Jamaican. Her mother was from India. Uh, but she was born in America, and she claims to represent the African-American culture when she talks about these kinds of desegregation or racial issues. So for her to be willing to take the appointment by Joe Biden shows her own hypocrisy when she knows that he uh, has betrayed her, her principles and her values, right. uh, which are less, less important to her than her own power. Right, right. Um, so, you know, here she's uh, being hypocritical in a number of ways. She's willing to, you know, change if it suits her purpose of getting more power at the moment. Um, yes, and, you know, that was the whole thing. He was, Biden was called upon to not only appoint a, wo- a woman, but appoint a black woman. And um, and there were other women who he was considering, but she did seem to have uh, the most experience in in government. And you know, he picked her because because she seemed like she would have the most likely chance of uh, of helping him win. You know, of having the of having the credentials to help him win, as compared to some of the other people. Um, and also because she was kind of tough and he needed somebody who uh, <laughs> who could remember the Pledge of Allegiance. <laughs> right, right. Well, and, and <laughs> go ahead. I was going to say the, the, other, uh, the other irony is that um, she, she claims to represent the African-American community um, and yet she does not have the backing of the African-American people who are becoming more conservative. Here's the, the irony is that since she was selected as the VP candidate, President Trump's approval rating among the African-American population has gone up and not down. Yeah. Uh, Rasmussen polling now shows 40% of likely African-American voters approve of President Trump. His approval rating has gone up to 40%, which is remarkable since uh, in 2016, he only got, I think, 9% of the African-American vote. He, he barely won the presidency. But if can you imagine if 40% of African-Americans or even Hispanics now, President Trump is polling ahead of Biden in Florida, which is largely a Hispanic community uh, or, or has a, a great uh, Cuban-American or Latino-American population, President Trump has passed Biden in the minority vote. So why, if they picked, if they picked Kamala Harris to get uh, to, to, you know, support among the African-American community, why have they rejected her and gone for Trump? I think they can see through the yeah. hypocrisy. I think they are uh, becoming more conservative. The better 
jobs uh, they get, the, the better the economy is, the better their small businesses are thriving. Uh, even after the COVID, the COVID could not knock out, could not stop the American juggernaut of the Trump economy that is now uh, bursting back on the scene and will be stronger next year, obviously, than it was this year. Unemployment numbers this month were much, much lower than expected. Um, and people are feeling good again. And I think that bodes well for Trump in the election, especially among minority voters. Yes, I think, um, you know, I think maybe especially the issue of not wanting to have a choice of schools when that was such a big factor in her getting to where she is today, besides um, sleeping her way up. Uh, you know, being able to have a good education I mean, starting in kindergarten, pivotal year. Um, and that really seems pretty outrageous to not want to have the same thing for other black children and just minorities in general. Well, we're coming to another break. Um, when we come back, we can talk more about the election, but also I want, and maybe this is um, included, I want to ask my guest to talk about his book, how to Liberate the World, a Step-by-Step Guide to Take Back Your Country. So, again, my guest is Chaplain Gordon Klingenschmidt, doctor, a PhD. And um, when we come back, we'll hear more about the book. And I guess, is, is this book, um, does, do you talk about the election in the book, or was that kind of before? Does that relate to the election? Well, more- more importantly, I tell the citizen activists how they can win their own election. Uh, for example, how to run for office and win, or if you never run for office, how to take back your country with 30 powerful political tools for any citizen activist. Uh, and we can describe wow. each one of those or as, as much detail as you want to go into after the break. Okay, that sounds very interesting. All right, so stay tuned. We're taking a break. You're listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. And we will be right back. Ask the experts. Call toll-free right now. 1-866-472-5787. And ask our all-star team to answer your question. That's 1-866-472-5787. Thank you for calling. VoiceAmerica.com. Are you having difficulty coping with these troubled times? Do you want help? Then contact Dr. Carol Lieberman today at www.drcarol.com. Dr. Carol is a certified psychiatrist who not only has won an Emmy, but is a regular on top television shows like Oprah Winfrey and Larry King. She's here to help you through books, CDs, and helplines. Having trouble relaxing? Check out her relaxation CD. Has the fear of terrorism crippled your life? Call the terrorism hotline. And if you're having trouble with relationships, check out her book, Bad Boys. Dr. Carol wants to help you today, so contact her at www.drcarol.com or for immediate help at 1-900-860-COPE. Get help making sense of these troubled times. www.drcarol.com Tune into the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. 
Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. We're with you wherever Alexa and Google are. At home, in the car, on your smart TV, and your connected devices. Hey, Alexa. Hey, Google. Play my favorite Voice America podcast on TuneIn. It's just that easy. But make sure you actually mention the name of the podcast show to make it work. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com. Welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. If you have a question or comment for Dr. Carol, dial toll-free at 1-866-472-5788. Now back to the show, here's Dr. Carol Lieberman. And welcome back to Dr. Carol's Couch. I'm your psychiatrist host, Dr. Carol Lieberman. Uh, With me today is Chaplain Gordon Klingenschmidt, uh, Dr. Chaps. And um, we've been talking about did Kamala Harris sleep her way to the top. And I want to talk now about um, Dr. Chap's book, How to Liberate the World, A Step-by-Step Guide to Take Back Your Country. It originally came out in 2018, and then it's been updated uh, and has come out again in 2020. So, and during the break, I was uh, asking him, I don't suppose there are the steps... uh, in this, in this step-by-step guide include toppling statues or, for that matter, killing the police. So tell us, about, tell us what, they, what it does include. No, thank you. Um, Dr. Carroll, we only encourage peaceful protesting in our book. <laughs> <laughs> but unfortunately, the left has taken advantage of the levers of power in our society, and they are noisier than we are. Uh, most Americans, I think, are part of the silent majority were the conservative uh, center-right sort of reasonable types. But in our book, How to Liberate the World, we teach people how to take back their country and how to get off the couch and get active in using some of the same tools that are used successfully by the left to move our policies and change laws like we've done successfully in 13 states I have used these same powerful 30 political tools that we describe in the 30 short chapters, How to Liberate the World. For example, how to write a press release and get your story published in the newspapers, or how to organize a petition drive and get a thousand signatures for your idea, or how to engage with your elected officials. Even if you never run for office, you can have great influence on them if you go to meet for them or even get a staffer job volunteering to help on their campaign or in their office at the legislature. Uh, How to organize a rally and get a thousand people to march on the governor's mansion for your cause, whatever your cause is, uh, I, I will teach you how to do it. How to do fundraising for your cause or your organization. This one chapter alone in How to Liberate the World is worth the $15 cost of the book, because you can raise thousands or even millions of dollars for your cause if you will learn the secret of fundraising that we teach in the book. 
Um, and finally, how to run for office and win your own seat in the legislature. Maybe it's the state legislature or county commissioner or city council. Everyone's got to start somewhere. Uh, maybe you should run for school board. If you ever feel like you're called to run for office, you need a copy of the book, How to Liberate the World. It's available on Amazon or through our website, PrayInJesusName.org. We'll give you a discount if you visit the online bookstore at PrayInJesusName.org. Okay. That's, now, what, um, what motivated you to write this? Well, I've been an activist for going on 15 years, and I have helped change bad laws or policies in 13 states. And I've learned how to do this as a citizen activist before I ever got elected and became a state representative Republican in the Colorado legislature. So I thought, why not empower others? Why not teach the conservatives how to use these tools so we can multiply our effectiveness together and take back the country together. So um, the book has a foreword. I'm endorsed by Dr. Alan Keyes, with whom I campaigned when he was running for president of the United States. Um, I've also helped consult uh, or been a, a contributor to four or five other presidential candidates over the years. Um, and I've seen how successful campaigns can be launched, not just uh, for a person, but for an issue. We teach people how to run issue campaigns and how to do lobbying, how to, just as a citizen activist, bring, you know, a bus, a van full of six friends up to the legislature for a day to pray with your representative. There are 30 prayers in the 30 chapters. It's also a devotional book. I happen to be a chaplain and a Christian, so I want to bring the Lord into this somehow. And I think it's important for people to realize this is not their country. It's not even our country. It belongs to God. And if God had plans for America, if God uh, had a vision for America that our founding fathers hopefully enshrined in the Constitution, then it's up to us to defend that Constitution and do that from a biblical framework and promote uh, Judeo-Christian morality while we're at it. Yes, you know, our country... Um I mean, I'm sure you feel the same way. I mean, I'm sure lots of people realize that this election is such a pivotal election, more than any other election that I can remember in my lifetime, because it isn't just about one man or the other man becoming president or even one um, person or another person becoming vice president. It's about um, what would happen to what, what's behind each person or persons. Um, what would happen to the country? How would how would the country change? And you know, um, the left uh, has not made a secret of what they want to do with the country in terms of um, in terms of making it socialist and really communist. I, I mean, you know, it's. I, which is something that still shocks me um, because one would never think, I'm sure you never thought, or I, tr I would believe that you never thought, just like I never thought, uh, that there would ever come a day when it would be a question of, is the President of the United States going to turn the country communist? 
I mean, that, that would have been ridiculous to even think about. And yet, um, that is what we are on the verge of. And so many people don't realize, in addition to the issue of president and vice president, what so many people don't realize is um, who is running Black Lives Matter. People tend to think that Black Lives Matter is this, um, is this positive organization that is trying to stamp out racism and we should all help this organization. And when really the three women who founded it all have radical ties uh, and including uh, communist ties and, um, and, you know, ties to Biden, behind Biden and uh, uh, Kamala Harris. I mean, that, and so, so it's not just, I mean, even if, yes, I know that, <laughs> I, I know that a lot, there are people who don't like Trump. Um, <laughs> that's kind of an understatement. There are people who don't like Trump. But, um, and it's because he, he, you know, he's come in there and he did what he said he was going to do. And he isn't, he, you know, granted he uses some language or uh, tweets some things that aren't necessarily, you know, that are a little sh- shot from the hip. But um, he also, he's also been honest and he does what he says he was going to do and he doesn't, uh, he doesn't hide it behind all these political kinds of words. And so people shouldn't allow, you know, there, people are shocked, and especially like when he went to Europe, for example. Um, oh, my God, the president of the United States is, is being so uh, blunt and uh, really <laughs> telling us what he really thinks. I mean, you know, um, yes, and, and the, the peace accord in the Middle East, I mean, he has done so many things uh, that people said couldn't be done, um, his relationship with North Korea, I mean, just on and on and on, uh, things that, that other presidents were, didn't do, weren't able to do, particularly in regard to terrorism. He has made such advances in terrorism, not that there aren't still terrorists wanting to attack us, um, but he has made such a dead in, uh, you know, the, with the caliphate and the killing two major leaders, uh, terrorist leaders and so on. I mean, these are major things. So people should not be put off by his personality. He is a bull in a china shop. I relate to him because I'm kind of that way. <laughs> and I just appreciate his honesty and his hard work and doing what he promised people he would do when he ran for president. So I don't think people should allow themselves to be turned off by this sort of aggressive personality and forget or not realize, not inform themselves about what could be coming, what is coming um, on the side of Biden. Well, I think you're right. I'm more concerned about not Joe Biden, because I think he's inept and he won't be there very long. I'm concerned about what Nancy Pelosi will do if she retains the speakership and heaven forbids uh, Chuck Schumer becomes the Senate majority leader. The first thing they will do is appoint themselves four more Senate seats by granting statehood to DC and Puerto Rico. And they will have four Mm. new Democrat senators and almost a supermajority in the U S Senate. The next thing they will do is pack the court. They will add four new Supreme Court justices to try to give themselves a 13-seat uh, majority, seven to six, with liberal justices. 
then they will gerrymander all 50 state congressional districts, which because this is a census year, the 2021 will be the year when Congress can rewrite the map and the district boundaries for every congressional seat that will give them an extra 20 to 30 House seats for the next decade, maybe for forever, for the foreseeable future. Rush Limbaugh said last week, this will create a permanent majority for the Democrat Party forever. There will be no way for Republicans to ever have power in the House or Senate again. Uh, they are wow. literally going to change the power scheme and it won't take long. And that's why we need citizens to take back their country. Again, I recommend you purchase our book, How to Liberate the World. Again, the title is How to Liberate the World. You can find it at a discount when you visit our website, PrayInJesusName.org. Click on the online bookstore at PrayInJesusName.org. Well, it sounds very interesting, and um, I think I would like one of those books myself. <laughs> Maybe I'll sure, for, just uh, send me an email. I'll mail you one. For president. Okay. Well, thank you so much. This has been a really interesting conversation. Dr. Chaps, and um, boy, that I I didn't know that last part that you were just talking about with the extra seats, I didn't know about that, and uh, it makes me, you know, think about, it's kind of like California. I'm I'm a born and bred New Yorker, but I moved to California, and um, they, it has kind of turned into a state like that, where it's other, since uh, Schwarzenegger, he was a Republican governor, but after that, you know, and with all of the illegal immigration, um, it has kind of become a state where it is very hard for a Republican to want to win any major office, especially governor. Oh, one, you know, so one last thing you mentioned at the top of the show is that mail-in balloting. We implemented that in yes. Colorado eight years ago, and it's been a disaster. It turned our red or purple state into a blue state. There has been voter fraud. Uh, it cost us the governor's race at least twice. And out of Boulder, Colorado, there have been trucks full of last-minute ballots that show up at 2 a.m. after Election Day to turn an otherwise huh. Republican election into a Democrat victory. We've got to stop the mail-in ballot fraud. Everyone should vote by mail if you have to, but nobody should endorse it if they can uh huh. Yes, you mean if there's no other choice rather than not vote to vote, but uh, uh, I, I hope we can still try to do something to to. I mean, you know, COVID is not that is not that deadly that um, that we can't work out being able to vote in polling places six feet apart, masks, and the whole nine yards. Not nine yards, six feet. <laughs> Well, thank Amen. you again, Dr. Gordon Klingenschmidt. Um, and again, the book is How to Liberate the World, a Step-by-Step Guide to Take Back Your Country. Thank you so much for sharing your insights on all of these important issues. And thank you all for listening to Dr. Carol's Couch. Tune in next week, Tuesdays, from 1 to 2 Pacific Standard Time. And I will be here every week. So thank you. Thank you for joining us on Dr. Carol's Couch. Join us next week at 1 p.m. Pacific time for another installment of Dr. Carol's Couch. We'll save you a seat. 